0: This is Marketing Smarts, a podcast committed to cutting through all the confusing marketing BS so you can actually understand how to take action and change your business today. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Anne Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about lead gen in New World. It's awesome to see signs of life in businesses all around us, but it really could still take a while before it feels like pre-COVID days, if it ever feels like pre-COVID days which means your lead gen methods and success rate have probably taken a big hit. And for those of you who count on big group gatherings like conferences, retreats, workshops, industry events, banquets, you guys are probably all hurting. And those of you who count on foot traffic, browsing, and live patronage, you guys are probably really hurting as well. So this episode is focused on helping you develop the marketing smarts to pivot and get back on track in generating
1: leads. Yes, and please, just let's take a pause here. Please, please, please do not put your head in the sand and pretend like this is going to go away tomorrow. Like Anne said... Pre-COVID days may be no longer days anymore. The world has changed. This has had a huge impact. This is one of those historical moments that the world is going to talk about for years to come. So just know, if consumer behavior was not changing before this, it 1,000% has changed now and it is permanently changed. So even more reason to make sure that you are finding your customers in the right place and providing them what they need when you find them. Right, right. So with that, I think, very honest
0: and very right assessment of what's going on. Let's jump into how do you generate leads in this new world. So for the first one, do a bit of research into how your consumer is currently vetting and making choices, which are probably like you just said, April, new ones.
1: Yes, for sure. I mean, just think about the fact that we couldn't go to stores anymore, right, to the point of foot traffic and such. I mean, there are so many instances. We have had a hard time finding any business that has not been affected either negatively or positively by COVID. So that just shows you how much the entire world has changed. But when you think about your consumers... While you should always be keeping track of them and seeing how they're reacting to you and taking moments to connect, it is even more imperative now because what you're going to find is that their behaviors have definitely changed. And I think that part of this is really specific to social and digital. So before this whole pandemic, we saw tons of people just jumping on that bandwagon, right? And there's lots of discussion out there about finding the right channels and the right conversation and meaningful messaging and how many messages people get in a day, all those types of things, right? Even more important now. And the importance of it becomes going where you need to be versus just doing it because. And what I mean by that is, you know, digital ads, for example, may be great for you. They may not. We see a lot of people doing those. We talked on a different episode about people doing them and leading to a website that was subpar. I mean, there are tons of instances where things are being done just to do something instead of things being done because I found my consumer here and this appears to be where they are now. I would say when doing this, it doesn't have to be some tremendous exercise, especially if you generally know who you're serving. It just becomes a matter of doing a little bit of digging. So before you go out with any kind of new script or new venue you're going to put your promotions or now you're going to do social, whatever those decisions are, make sure that you've taken the time to check in with your consumers and really see where they are. So, for example, Anne talked about the industry events, right? You have information on industry events if you focus there. So go to that list of connections, remake connections, commiserate on what you're all dealing with, work together to find a new solution to then better serve your customers collectively. Or if they are consumers or customers, ask them how they're doing things and how it has changed. Do a handful of those. That can be your research. But just make sure you're not leaving the consumer out of the equation.
0: Yeah, I think that's going to be the broken record. You're going to hear a lot from us um, is that the consumer is really the core of where you start. And if you don't go back to your consumer, you have a big opportunity of missing. Um, And that's where we hear a lot of people say, well, I did this. I put this money into digital ads and it didn't do anything. It's like, well, did you check to see if that's where your consumer really want to hear your message? Is that where they're really looking for you? If not, then you really shouldn't be doing digital ads. There's a, probably a different place that may be a little bit more traditional in the in the one-on-one contact and one-on-one networking. That that might be the way that you know you you go. So you have to really like spend some time there and think about that and and do your research. So I think that's a really good point. And then you alluded to also the digital ads leading into websites, and um, this was an episode that we did just previously on monumental website mistakes that people make. So the second um, way that you actually create really good lead gen is making sure your website is solid. And this is a very good opportunity to do that. And as we talked about in that episode, and I'll reiterate now because it's such an important point, is Google searching is one of the first actions people are going to take to find out about you. That's how they're going to vet you. And if your website is outdated or if it's of low quality then you're not going to make a good first impression. So what you need to do is you really need to c- concentrate on making sure that that is a really provocative, compelling billboard for your business and making sure that that is going to operate in a way that's going to translate anybody that's coming there into a call to action that you want them to do, whether that's call you or Fill something out or download something. So making sure that that is working very, very hard for you is extremely important.
1: Yes. And being very clear on what you're providing to that target audience. So your messaging Mm -hmm. immediately draws them in when they get there and they say, yes, that's me and that's what I need. That's exactly right. Exactly right.
0: So the third uh, way to get your lead gen back on track is to do good for the community.
1: Yes, and this is a topic that um, I've become super passionate about over the course of this, and I know many people have, right? We're all looking in COVID for bright moments or moments of joy or moments where we can point to the good in humanity and society and all of those things, right? So without getting into that soapbox too much, the idea here is... To, this is a time now more than ever to give back, to prop somebody up, to support someone else, to support your community, to come together as one and really work together. And we have seen this a ton in the restaurant community. You know, I live in downtown Cincinnati and obviously one of the very first places where there was a giant hit was when all the restaurants and bars had to shut down. And the ones that not only are still open or open again uh, and thriving again, they're the ones that were smart and they pivoted their business, but they also did a community um, kind of bent to it, right? So Mita, right down the street from us, If you could show a pay stub that you worked in the restaurant industry, they would give you two meals and two items of your choice each day, whether that was toilet paper or toothpaste or some kind of item that you need. And they got donations from the community and they got a lot of press for that. And people really supported them for being a pillar, even when they were also struggling. Then you had like Sacred Beast is another restaurant in town. They were one of the first ones to change their restaurant into what they called the Beast Mart. And so you could go in, you could buy beer, you could pick up your prepackaged meal. It was either already made or it gave you the components to make one of their meals. And it transitioned to carry out in a totally different way than just picking up your food from a restaurant. And then we had other ones that were servicing the healthcare community specifically. So Pleasantry was an example. They put up a kind of like a crowdsourcing thing that they wanted to give 10,000. Meals to healthcare workers. So you could go on and donate a meal and then they would free of charge drive it to whatever hospital was in need that night and deliver all these meals to the people that were on the front lines helping with everything. And I think that those are all really great examples and ones that stick with us. Especially when these businesses are also in tragedy or experiencing tough things themselves and going out of their way to do some good for the community. That's that goodwill and that authenticity that we talk about from a brand standpoint that lives beyond the moment and that consumers become more regular consumers and even advocates beyond what they normally were when things go back to normal or whatever the new normal may be.
0: Yeah, I have um, I invested in a restaurant in Seattle, Washington called Spice Walla, and they had just opened pre-COVID, and uh, they um, were trying to figure out how they could best serve their community because they're in the business district, and what they did was offer 50 free dinners two days a week, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. And they're just getting started, right? So that was a really big thing that they did. Um, in order to really drive um, that relationship with the community and, sh- and, and and show the community, hey, we're here for you um, in good times and bad. And I think that's a really good point to make with the ones that you, um, you you made as well in that it's authentic and it's enduring. I mean, I think that's really, really important is that mm-hmm. if you're going to come in and just do a publicity stunt, it's not going to work. People are going to exactly. see right through it. You can't take advantage of other people's strategies for just solely your own benefit. Now, that being said, you could do good for the community and you can leverage that as part of your business. That mm-hmm. is totally okay. But you need it, it needs to be authentic. It needs to be something that you're inherently willing to support and not just in and out. It has to be something that you're willing to support on an ongoing basis because we have a pandemic today. But tomorrow, there's still poverty. There's still other things going on. So if you're doing these things in the moment, think about how they're going to endure and go forward and how it becomes part of your brand um, in a way that is um, you know, a, a nice way to co- create those emotional connections with the community. Because unless so, you're Richard Branson, I'm like, you can't really get by with publicity stunts just for <laughs> the the purpose of this publicity. So it's just not going to work. So do it, but do it authentically. Do it in a way that's enduring. It's okay if you, know, you benefit from it. You are a business. That is totally legit. Just don't take advantage of anybody's situation in a gratuitous way. Yes, right, exactly. All right. So then the next way to really stimulate your lead gen is offer something of value to incentivize for action to be taken right now. Now, this could be a promotion, a gift with purchase, a reduced rate, a free introductory session, some level of access, something that provides really tangible value. And one example that we've seen, and we've seen this a ton right now, is free webinars, right? So people are trying to give away some free value. They give you a nugget, especially in this context where people are struggling, and that is fabulous. But usually at the end of that, there is something to buy that's of much higher value. Now, this can work. I mean, it could definitely work. And we've seen it, you know, in an in inundation and especially in, like right now on LinkedIn, everybody seems like they're doing it, and they still seem to be doing it. It works very well. We've seen in niche style environment. So when you're really going after a specific audience that appreciates you for what you deliver already, then we've seen that it works. If you are, you know... You could be Joe Schmo marketer, and you know there's other Joe Schmo marketer, right next to you, and you both are you're communicating the same thing to a very broad audience. Your credibility may not be able to translate there into something that's going to be of value to folks, because how did they know that you, Joe Schmo, are my marketing genius that I really need for my business right now? But I can say, and honestly, can say that I have. I mean that's worked on me. So for example, when um, I was just getting ready to leave P and got wind that Kevin O'Leary was going to be at the Aranoff, um offering you know his advice. I guess you guys know, you know obviously Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank. Um, and I love Shark Tank. My husband loves Shark Tank. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to see what this is all about. Um, I was already skeptical when I had gone and I had to sign something. When I was walking in, I was like, all right, what this was this all about? And I quickly found out it was actually. A pitch for real estate education, and I was like, "Oh, wow! They beta and switched me." I was originally pretty like upset, and I hadn't even heard Kevin O'Leary yet. He didn't even come on until like nine thirty or ten o'clock. But um, you know, after I was, I listened for a while, and I kind of got where they were going. I actually ended up buying the package at the end, which actually kickstarted our real estate. Um, venture, so it worked for me. Kevin O'Leary, by the way, was great. Had really fantastic insights. Um, loved women owned businesses, by the way. Like propped them all up, so I thought that was kind of cool. But you know, you have to be just you have to be smart in, in in how you do it. And I think the other thing is, it has to be time bound. This can't be something that's like evergreen. That it could happen in months. You want to make sure people are incentivized to take action right now. That helps to uh, get you the return on your investment that you're looking for in a time where you're
1: trying to, you know, generate those leads in, in, in a kind of a, a new time. Yes, exactly. And I think that time bound thing is also really good help in managing the business. You don't want to have these hanger-ons or these trickle-in things that come Far later, and you're no longer even in the mindset to provide whatever was there. The business has moved forward. I also think it's a good way to catch people's attention. I mean, there's a reason that sales and limited time offers and for the next 24 hours, all those things come into your inbox with those calls to action because they really do tend to work, again, if you are meeting the right customers where they are and they're open and wanting what you're providing. Mm -hmm. So, Absolutely.
0: All right. So the fifth way to uh, perk up your lead gen, up your customer service.
1: Yes. And this is another one that I love. So I'll take this one. Um, But speaking again to kind of the community um, of where we live and the restaurants and the bars and all of those things that have been affected, I think the other part, both pre and non- during COVID or something that's been consistent about these certain examples I'm going to give is that it is always a heightened customer service experience, but in a way that is unexpected so that each time you're surprised and delighted. And what I mean by that is, for example, so there's a restaurant group in town, um, the Boca Restaurant Group, and there's several different restaurants. And some of these have franchised out across the nation. Um, But in any case, The ones that we frequent are Soto and then Nada, which has other locations, like I said, in other cities. And so what really started, Soto is, first of all, incredible. The best Italian food ever. I mean, the service is impeccable. We have never had a bad experience. It's always been super consistent. The service is top notch. I mean, there's nothing bad that I could say. And coming from the place of someone who was married to a person that worked at a high-end steakhouse for 10 years. We are very critical. There is nothing bad I can say. However, with all of that, we were there for my son's fourth birthday And at the time, we also had a one-year-old. And we took an earlier dinner slot because we thought, you know, this is super fancy, but our son has always loved it. Now we have two. The one doesn't like to sit in her chair. How's this going to go? So we took the 530 reservation, but the restaurant was starting to fill up. And my kids were not on the best behavior that day. But they caught wind of the fact that it was Sam's fourth birthday. That staff not only came out and brought him dessert, they brought him a signed four-year-old birthday card from the entire staff and an age-appropriate gift wrapped for him to open of toys for a four-year-old boy. Talk about being completely blown away. And you can only imagine how many times I've told that story, but also how many similar stories I've heard from other people. And then similarly, so that's the expectation we have, right? Nada's one of the other restaurants in the group. So we were down in Indianapolis and we decided it'd be fun to go to NADA there because the kids really like it. And so they came out, they were talking to my son, they brought him churros, and then they brought us a onesie size appropriate for our infant that um, had the NADA Indianapolis brand. And then we're kind of poking fun like, oh, she's been to the one in Cincinnati. Make sure you tell them that they didn't give her her onesie. She has the indie one, you know, but just breeding that culture of things that you really – don't come to expect. And then, you know, fast forward, there's a brewery that just opened in my neighborhood. I'll give props to Rebel Metal. We love it there. So please visit if you're in Cincinnati. Um, but they're great guys and they, they really want to be part of the neighborhood. I think breweries are something that can be hit or miss with little kids, but they have welcomed literally everyone in the neighborhood in, including my two. And so I bought one of their sweatshirts and I just offhandedly made the comment to Mike, the the owner, you know, are you going to print kids stuff. I'd love for the kids to have something. He's like, oh, not right now, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay, didn't think anything of it. We were in there the next week. And he printed too many t shirts for my kids, just as a thank you for coming in on a regular basis. And those are the types of moments we're talking about. It's about blowing people away from a customer service perspective. I think customer service, unfortunately, in today's world, lacks kind of across the board. I'll make that generalization. So when you get a good experience, that's great. But when you get an experience that consistently surprises you above and beyond the great service you already get, that's when you really know you have something. And when you make those connections with the consumers, you can hear how I'm talking. I am an advocate for life for all three of those restaurants and bars that I mentioned.
0: Well, and not to mention, Sam is an advocate for life, too. So A little story, just a little caveat because it's it's so incredibly cute, is when we were over there for dinner, um, it wasn't even seven thirty and Sam looks at me and goes, Ann, are you ready to go to the brewery? At five years old because there's free games and everything. He's like, you just drink some beer and we get to play free games. I mean, <laughs> gosh, he's the best advocate ever. I'm like, he goes probably just goes to school and tells everybody about you know this brewery. Yeah, mom's gonna be businesses. in trouble. <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's a port of market entry that you know you you, you could cultivate very young. But I, I think, I mean, there's a, uh, the customer service, I mean, it, it's so above and beyond. Like you said, it creates an experience that's so mem- memorable. It connects in life. It, It creates a brand love that is, so incredibly like personal that yes. it, it just is something that you want to experience over and over. And they deliver over and over. It's not like, oh, that just happened once. Yes. It happens over and over. Exactly. And I think that's important to think about no matter what business you're in, whether or not you're in a restaurant business or you're in an industry business or you're in a service business, it's how do you create that experience for your customers that they're like, I got to work with you. Yes. Like, you guys are the ones I want to work with because you do something, you create something. We have this, you know, relationship there, I say, that makes my life different and makes my life better because you are in it. And it sounds really touching and feely to say, like, if you're in like a, you know, a very industrial type of, you know, environment, <laughs> but still the the intent is there and being able to think through that and process through that, you, you'd be surprised how simple things sometimes have like the biggest impact. So this doesn't mean you have to spend a ton of money or, you know, have this like really like brought out, like really like a program. Sometimes it's just having a philosophy and, you know, a, a way of uh, communicating your philosophy in a way of being that inspires people to act differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, wh- how these restaurants really truly embody it is that they're just, they, they
1: love the whole atmosphere of it, and they're just inspired to act differently. Well, and then I think it makes all of us inspired too, right? right? So to the point of wanting that experience, I never felt in any of those instances or interactions or any of the times I've been there that it was at all inauthentic. Right. And that's the other piece of it is – Like, I watch Mike again, going back to the brewery example. I have watched him spend hours walking up to each table, asking how their experience is, giving his card, and saying, if there is anything I can do or we should be doing better, please let me know. I mean, that's the kind of stuff, right? Like, you can't fabricate that. That's the kind of consistency that, you know, like I've come to so admire. And I'm in this business, right, of marketing and branding and stuff. And so, I should probably be a skeptic on some level, mm-hmm. but it just is It is in the DNA of these places and that's what we're really talking about. They are making the community better by being who they are, which means they love what they do and serving the people they serve.
0: Yeah, so I think that's great.
1: Are you craving a deeper dive immersion into the topics on our podcast? Then you will appreciate our virtual consultancy. Located on the shop page of our website, forthright-people.com, you can now download our digital coaching modules on vigilant leadership, culture building, and social strategy. For the cost of a book, you will get diagnostic tools and exercises to assess your current state and development tools to quickly and intentionally improve your proficiency. These are quick yet effective ways to improve your marketing savvy today. Check it out and let us know other topics you would like us to go deep on.
0: All right. So our next section is our in the trenches question. As a reminder, we might get some specifics here on certain categories or certain roles here, like we just talked about restaurants, but really dig and listen below that surface because Mm -hmm. these apply to everybody. All right. So the first question, I haven't used social media much for my business. Should I join the masses? And we talked about this a little bit on about being very careful not to necessarily just jump on the social media and digital bandwagon um, because it can swallow you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It can swallow your time. It can swallow your money. And you could get very little back from it. So it really depends on three things. Again, is this where your consumer is? We're not going to belabor that point. I think you guys heard, you know, you got to start with where your consumer is looking to hear from you and making sure even within the whole big broad world of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, like where are they and where did you want to cultivate that relationship with them? Is this the best way for you to communicate with them? Just like I just said, I mean, that is extremely important. If you do not have the manpower to actually have a somebody who's going to be dedicated to engaging with people on social, you can't just have it be a one-way conversation. Social is not a one-way conversation. So that might not be the right thing for you right now because you don't have the manpower in order to activate on social. I mean, frankly, me and April, we activate on LinkedIn only because that is the core for which we are driving our business. Now, we might actually choose to do other social channels in the future, but right now... We don't have the manpower to activate that, nor has it been an essential place for us to connect with our consumers. We connect with our consumers in different ways. Um, So that's really, really important. And then the, the third one is, do you have a social strategy? So if the other two things are true, please do not be cavalier with how you engage on social. This is not like, hey, I woke up today. What do I want to talk about? This is your business. This is your brand. This is a reflection of you and how you're going to sell, it's important. You need to have it structured out. You have to have like what kind of content, where is that content going to go? How frequently is that content going to go out? Again, it takes thought. It doesn't necessarily take a lot of money, um, but it does take thought in order to like, lay that out in a way that
1: is going to structure your social so it's going to work hard for you. Yes, exactly. And I think that that piece is really worth emphasizing because what happens if you don't have a social strategy that is, I will build on what Ann said, based on your brand and the way you communicate is you're putting out messaging that nobody is connecting with. Even if they find your brand or your business and your products, whatever it is, valuable. And so that social strategy needs to be made up of messages that build on each other, that build on the brand, that entice the consumers to do something, add a comment, share, like, you know, all of those types of things. You're looking for that engagement. And just too often we see people say, oh, I saw an image over there and I love the style. And then all of a sudden it shows up on their feed and it has nothing to do with anything they're doing other than that somebody personally liked the message. And so to the point of being on brand, the fact that it's a business, if you want to post every moment of your day on your personal Facebook, that is your business. But when it comes to your actual business, you have to make sure that you are being very conscious in what you're putting out there, how it looks, how it sounds, and what you're asking your consumer's to to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Our second question, I am launching a new product. What should I consider now that people are doing more online shopping than physical shopping?
1: Yes. And we've talked about this already. So that idea of less foot traffic, I mean, honestly, the world was going a lot more to digital shopping than ever before, but I would say they're buying more things than ever before, things like clothing or things that they would normally say, well, I want to try that on. Now they're moving online because stores aren't open or if they are, people aren't comfortable, all of those kinds of things. So obviously, this is a place where that physical environment has been fundamentally changed. And we would argue, if not forever, for a very long time. So this is really where you need to get a little bit creative In the digital space. And one of the things we like to talk about here is influencers. So, this could be a whole discussion in and of itself, but I think it's really important here to start to look at other communities or other people out there who align with your beliefs as a brand. And especially in the idea of launching an actual product. You want to find people who are going to endorse it and quickly elevate it for you. So not to say that it has to be an A-list celebrity every time, not to say that it has to be someone obvious and in the exact same space, but you want to find adjacencies at the brand level and then also synergies where if people saw that person with your product it makes total sense, right? Or where you catch them in the moment, I've made, you know, reference to Shaquille O'Neal before, right? He sells pe- he has pizza chains now after being a basketball player, but it works because the personality of that pizza place aligns with the lightness and the levity and the, you know, bringing people together of his brand, so it makes sense that that's one that he chooses to endorse or that they choose to have him as an endorser. And so from an influencer perspective, there's tons of them out there. Um, I mean, you can literally find them everywhere. This is a a huge trend. But you want to look for people, again, that can help get you off the ground in a very crowded, noisy space that already have a position in the market that has a lot of clients and that people are advocates for.
0: Yeah, And I think this is one that we could really help too um if you if you know influencers are something that you would would benefit your your brand and i especially as you're launching new products and services, which i April's right on on that, um you'll reach out to us. Um, it's definitely something we can consult on and we have ways of vetting influencers to to help you uh, build your business. so don't hesitate because um, it's It's not easy to kind of figure out who are the right people and then contact them, then contract them, and then, you know, make sure they do what they're supposed to do because you have to give them a brief. And so there's a lot of steps to making sure the influencer coverage um, works well for you and works hard for you. So um, yeah, definitely reach out if you guys have questions on that one. Happy to help there. So the next in the trenches question is, what about all of these lead gen agencies who guarantee leads for a fee? And there is a lot of those out there. Um, I think our biggest um, advice here is just to be careful. Uh, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, what many of these lead gen agencies will guarantee is impressions. So they'll say, hey, we have a uh, 100,000 people in our database. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to put this uh, ad out there and there's an audience of like, you know, of 50,000 people. Um, they're giving you what the total possible eyeballs are going to be on whatever you're, they're lead genning for you, whether it's a piece of creative or content or you know, whatever that it happens to be. What you have to factor in is the fact that only a percentage of those people are actually going to truly see it. There's a smaller percentage of those people who are actually going to care and then there's going to be even just a handful of those people that actually convert. So our advice here is to make sure that you ask for case studies. Make sure the case studies to represent what you are trying to do within the category that you're trying to do it. Um, because that also is a way that they, you know, I, I've seen a lot of these agencies extrapolate. It's like, um, you know, yeah, I mean, we're going to do something at Super Bowl. There's going to be, well, not right now, but there's going to be, you know, 100,000 people at Super Bowl. So you have 100,000 eyeballs. It's like, well... Is that going to work for, you know, my beauty product? <laughs> you know, maybe not. I mean, because the, the, the amount of people who care about beauty products in the midst of the Super Bowl, um, probably not, you know, that high. So make sure that it makes sense in the context for which they are going to be sharing your product and then ask them to say, hey, well, what's your, your conversion rate for products like mine when you have done something like this? If they can't give it to you or they waffle about giving it to you, or they say it's proprietary, then... I wouldn't invest. I'm like it. They, they're going to ask for a lot of money for a hope and a prayer. I call that you know you exchange a check for a hope and a prayer. Um, it's not necessarily good business sense. And but if you do see something that actually looks like it could potentially be a good fit, just do a quick gut check on the cost per acquisition. Make sure that it's in line with your ROI. Even if it could be lucrative for you, if you're paying. $500 to acquire a consumer that you really needed to spend $10 on, not sure that that's a good you know, return on your investment, unless it has additional value that it's going to create for you, which obviously you know, can can have a uh, impact on whether or not you make this decision or not. So just be very diligent about this. Realize that a lot of people are are making money from doing this and not always providing the results that they promise um, because they caveat it in such a way that it makes it so general that they're like, well, we said 100,000 impressions, we gave you 100,000 impressions, but in your head you were thinking, oh, 100,000 impressions means I might have 100,000 leads. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really translate like that.
1: Yes, and I would say big pet peeve for both Anne and me, when you have these companies reaching out to you via LinkedIn, for example, we get these all the time. I'm going to go ahead and say 100% of those types of reach outs, those like cold calls are not going to work. Mm -hmm. I mean, and even worse, the ones that act like a person wanting to connect and then do that bait and switch and say, I'm so-and-so from such-and-such that can give you lead gen and here's blah, 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 and that sort of form letter, we would advise against all of that. If you find a company on your own and you think it might be worth it, there are some of them out there, but just again, be careful. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Mhm.
0: So, the fourth question of in the trenches questions, how many consumers do I need to talk to in order to understand how best to connect with them?
1: Yes, and this is my particular area of passion and expertise, but I like to say it doesn't matter how many people you talk to. It matters how you ask the questions. And that is really on you. So full disclosure, I have never been a fan of huge quant studies. I think they give you metrics. I don't think they give you usable insights. I think it's a bad way to evaluate fill in the blank, products, services, whatever, because it doesn't get at that qualitative nature, that psychographic nature of how humans act and the things that they're actually looking for. And I will say to the point of asking the right questions, do not ask consumers what they want. I mean, there's that old Henry Ford quote, right? If I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. He's the inventor of the car, right? So there is a huge gap there. If you're relying on your consumers to answer what your business or what your marketing should be or what you should be doing, that's your responsibility. It's not theirs. So our rule of thumb is it can be anywhere from a handful to, let's call it 12 to 15, depending on if there's different sectors or you want a couple different people with different You know, like if you want lapsed consumers or existing consumers, there can be different ways to break it down. But two to three for any different area of your business or type of consumer can be good enough if you spend the time putting together the right questions to ask them so that you can listen for information that will lead you to insights for your business. This is hard work. And it's hard work for a reason because traditionally what a lot of people do is say, hey, look at these three. Which one do you like better with no parameters? Or, hey, we're going to invent a new smoothie. What flavor would you like? You know, those types of examples are not going to lead to success. The consumer perspective is hugely important. We've been talking about this this entire episode. But just make sure that you spend time with them that's meaningful and that you get information that is structured in a way that you can actually go do something with it versus chasing your tail and creating something that no one's ever going to need or ever going to buy.
0: And I would think you you say a lot, too, is um, it, you have to really know who your consumer is. So it's, a, yes. it's about creating the, the, the good questions or asking the right questions, but it's also... If you know who your consumer is and you're yes. intimately familiar with who your consumer is, you only may have to ask three or four people. And, and that is going, like, down to the psychographic level. Like, you can describe them like they're your best friend. Like yes. That is a yes. consumer. If your consumer is a very broad consumer, like on our, you know, P&G way, we like to describe our consumers, all women, you know, a 25, 25 to forty five, you know, with, a, you know, I mean, then you're going to have to get a whole lot more input because then you have to start looking for really obvious trends. Um, and I, I totally agree with what you said from a quant standpoint too. I, I used to, you know, worked in products research and I feel like I could make the numbers mean anything I wanted to make them yep. based on whatever I wanted to come up with. Um, and that's not to say that there isn't really good ways of doing quant studies, um, but the qualitative nature of really understanding your consumers in an intimate way really helps reduce the amount of uh Rework that you have to do in order to continue to reinvent <laughs> your offering, but as well as helps you to scale that much quicker. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. All right. So our fifth question: How much should I spend on lead gen? And again it really depends on the impact you're trying to drive um, so again this is where analytics really good analytics come in we are really big proponents of testing and learning especially for our small medium-sized businesses who don't have like necessarily the exorbitant budgets or the retainers in order to um, refresh this stuff on a regular basis so we think it's really important that you find a way to kind of see what works before you invest a ton of money into scaling it. So we like to talk about, and we talked about in multiple podcasts, like planting a lot of seeds. But it's really important that you also plant the right seeds. Um, so, for example, we had talked about influencers. Um, as you're trying to potentially launch, or you're trying to build credibility for a product, you have a lot of influencers you can choose from. I mean, there's, there's your mommy influencers, there's your lifestyle influencers, there might be you know sports influencers, there could be. Tons of other influencers that you might have um, your eye on is could potentially be good for your uh, your product. Try a couple in a a couple different categories. See who's getting the best traction. Now realize it's not apples to apples, so you you need to you know consider that. But if you are analytically looking at a call to action. Um, where you can set up, actually, this is a very tactical thing, like a Bitly link to some place that you want them to go. So if your influencer is like, you know, trying to drive to a website, for example, each influencer can have their own Bitly link that drives to that website and you can figure out who's driving the most traffic. That gives you an idea of what kind of demographic is actually working the hardest in order to support the impact that you're trying to create. So this is just one way of being able to test and learn managing your costs. Um, So I think, you know, it's it's important to look at it holistically. And like uh, we just said, if the better you know your consumer, generally the more efficient your cost is in your lead gen because you're going to have a higher hit rate and you're going to be able to uh, translate those uh, those hits a whole lot more efficiently.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think... um reinforcing the point that this doesn't have to be a ton of money, but also that you're making a choice to do the right thing for the business. It's kind of the balance of those two things. And so you, you know, Anne always loves to say you have to spend money to make money or you have to spend money and work on your business. And, you know, that's the part that I, as the conservative one, like to push back on. In any case, she's right. But you don't want to be kind of just throwing money out there. So early on, we talked about the Google Ads situation, right? If that's not the right venue for you, you shouldn't be spending money there. And so that's kind of the point of this one is it's not a set amount, but it's about spending good money on something that's going to work because you do, again, know your consumer but then also making sure that it's right for you, right? So Anne and I chose the podcast because, well, as by now you can probably tell, we're long-winded. We could talk all day about the stuff that we do. We have fun talking and interacting back and forth. We feel like that's a benefit of what we can bring to people. And we're passionate about educating and Bringing these topics forward in a way that people can put into action quickly, which we think is a white space in the area. It's not theory based, it's action based. And so I think that's another important lens to look through. And a good way to be authentic is if the channel feels like something you're passionate about, comfortable with, that matters in addition to, and sometimes more than the amount of money you're going to go spend, because it means it's a good place for you to be for yourself and your business.
0: Yeah. a Really good point. All right. So that's our in the trenches question. So as always, we'd like to end with the example of how, how others are applying their marketing smarts. And I'm going to use a very personal example today, and I'm going to try to not make it overly emotional, um, because I'm emotional about this one. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a way that it's working well and it's a way that's not working well. So I think it's important to kind of show the the two sides of it. So with that preamble, I'll, uh, you know, the, the, the big reveal <laughs> is that we're, we're putting on a three seasons room on our, our house. And it was something that we decided decided back in June. Um for a couple of reasons. One, with my husband now working from home, and at the time we thought that the kids might be also um, doing virtual schoolwork, our house was just too small for six people to all have their individual space. So we decided to put on this room. And so we started to look at companies who did this. And we decided to go with a company called Patio Enclosure. So Again, when we talked about how do you generate leads, they gave us a promotional offer. It's a time-bound promotional offer. It was a really good promotional offer. So that got us incentivized to contact them. They sent somebody out who was very good at his job. He's very good at customer service. He talked us through the options. He was very transparent. We asked him, you know, what's the difference between yours and theirs? And he said that, I mean... And then he was able to help us negotiate a cost that worked for us by taking some of the um, elements that were extras, if you will, out and letting us do them ourselves. So there was a really good balance there with the customer service aspect and with the, um, with the promotion that helped get us to the point that we're like, hey, well, you know, we're going to do this. Um, the, that was back in June. Okay, So we signed a contract back in June. Um, sitting in October, we still did not have CAD drawings. So if you guys know, when you build something, you need the CAD drawing so you can submit for the building permits, right? We have found out that they had oversold. So they had generated so many leads that they had oversold. Their customer service then started to become very stretched, very thin. We weren't getting our calls returned. We couldn't figure out where everything was. When we did get a call return, we were given the canned response. Well, you know, COVID. I'm like, oh, my gosh. If I had to hear that one more time after this, it's like, okay, we get that. But, you know... Yes, we get that the wood is not coming across, you know, from Canada because of the borders. But, you know, other people are getting stuff built. So how come our stuff isn't getting built? We understand that, you know, the, the work environment is a little bit um you know, a little bit chaotic right now. But these are guys who are sitting in their computer who do CAD drawings for a living. So work at their home, I mean, what's the big difference here? So we started seeing things started to kind of decline to the point where we had to actually threaten a couple of times to cancel. Um We didn't get our CAD drawings until the end of October. Uh, Then we had to go submit for a variance. (laughs) And so that's pushed us out another month. So maybe we might get this done in November. So I say all this to say that, you know, you need to be, when you're doing your lead gen, you need to plan your pipeline. Okay, so make sure that what you're putting out there, you can fulfill upon because one of the worst things that can happen is you set up these expectations for your consumers and then you're not able to deliver on them. Now, I'll say patio closures has come back. And since then, they have um, added some more customer service. And now I'm getting a call from, you know, their office. But, you know, these are new people. They basically just hired to make calls just to kind of let people know what's going on. They don't know anything about the product. Even the guy was like, I just started like last week. I don't know anything about the product, but I'll send your message along. I mean, it's not ideal, but it's at least something. Um, so... Marketing smart, yes, they followed a lot of the formulaic things that we just laid out with regards to how to generate more leads. But at the end, they weren't really prepared to deliver on that. And then what's worse, they kept selling. So then we saw the deal was extended, you know, a month, you know, two months, three months, four months. We're like, you guys can't even deliver what you currently have. So that's disappointing because I'm sitting here in, you know, no, almost November. I'm hoping we get it done before the bad weather hits because we were hoping to have family for Christmas because it's going to help us from an entertaining, flowing standpoint. So,
1: um, yeah, so that's my uh, my marketing smarts example for today. Yes, and I think that that is hugely important. You know, we talk a lot about how to get things going, but the follow through of all of that. Um, and you heard Anne just give an example of somebody going above and beyond, being super impressive, and then when that falls off a cliff, I mean, you you won't recommend them now, right? right. You know, there's really no coming back from that situation, and I think that just goes to show that you need to be realistic too about what you can actually do because the best way and the easiest way to kill your business is to get yourself in a situation where you're over committing and it doesn't matter how good your connection is with your consumer if they're not getting that baseline of expectation that's table stakes and they'll go yep. find someone else at that point in time
0: yep so a lot of information we threw at you today about how to generate leads in the new world so uh, take it in process it and uh, go exercise your marketing smarts
1: still need help in growing your marketing smarts contact us through our website forthright-people.com mention you heard about us here and we will give you a free 30 minute consultation you can also share any topics you want us to cover which helps us give real world support to our listeners in real time And if you learned something impactful, please share with a friend and don't forget to leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.